Thanks for listening to the Saints Church Glastonbury podcast. My name is Brett. I'm the pastor of Saints Church. I'm so honored that you would take some time out of your day to dive into the scriptures with us. This week, we've got a message called, It's Not About Me. Imagine that. It's not about me. We're looking at the holiness of God and our responsibility as believers of Jesus. It's not about me. Let's dive in right now. go right into the scripture. I'm going to sit down. We're going to talk today. Uh, we have been talking about the holiness of God. Last, last weekend, we had uh, Pastor David McGrew, and he spoke to us about the otherness of God. When we think about holy, God is holy, meaning that he is set apart, that he is different than us. And oftentimes we try and stick him into a a man-shaped box as if to think that he's a better version of us, but he is not. He's something altogether different. He is something altogether other. And because of that, we worship him and we praise him and we declare that he is holy. Uh, One thing uh, that I want to share because Pastor Donner did such a great job, I just want to I just want to jump on the information sharing train. Is that tonight we have Saint Church Highlands over on the east side, uh, 6:30 p.m. Oh come on, Highlands team is ready. Uh, and so if you are like, hey, I'm a sh-, just moving forward. If you're like a shift worker and you go, I can't always make it Sunday morning. We do have an evening expression, an evening gathering. Uh, it starts weekly in November. It starts weekly in November. And so we're really excited about that. But we do have a Saints Church Highlands meeting tonight and a service. And if you want to come, Pastor Jeremy's speaking. And if you love Pastor Jeremy, you're going to want to be there for that. It's going to be amazing. I know Pastor Honor is planning on being there for sure, uh, just to double up on the church that he's missed while he was away. And uh, so I know he's ready for that. And I just want to share also that, that Pastor Desiree and I are heading to Slovenia. Uh, in November, we're speaking for their national young adult gathering, pouring into the next generation, believing, and putting on a call to ministry for the next generation. Uh, there are three young pastors in the nation. In the nation. And, uh, and so we get an opportunity to share and then and put an invitation out that they would respond uh, to step into ministry. And uh, so be praying for us. That's November 1st to 8th. Um, so that's that's important. Um, it's important. It's important as a church that we understand that we are a part of a global family of believers and that we get to do our part to strengthen those family, that family and those believers. So we're heading to Slovenia November 1st to 8th. All right, let's, let's start with a question. Let's start with a question today. What am I doing here? You ever ask that question? You ever sit in those seats and you're like, what am I doing here? I ask myself this question. Because surely there's got to be better seats somewhere. There's got to be more comfortable seats somewhere. There's got to be better live music. (laughs) Worship team's like, no, where are you going with this? There's got to be better entertainment. Not the Oilers, though. Uh, There's got to be better coffee. But here's the reality about coffee. It doesn't matter what we serve. It's going to be too light for somebody, too dark for somebody else. No one's ever satisfied with church coffee. There's got to be funnier people to listen to. That's true. The things Pastor DeAndre. And there's got to be places where I feel more comfortable. Got to be true. So what am I doing here? Well, let's talk about God's plan for a moment. Going to a local church and being fully integrated into the daily physical life of the church is God's plan for every believer. I'm going to say it one more time. And while I'm saying it, I'm going to ask the team to throw up my sermon notes on the screen because I know everybody is extremely excited about the sermon notes. 
And trust me, today you're going to need them. Uh, I've put in a bunch of extra bonus content. You're going to need those today. So if it's been helpful for you to have the sermon notes, you can aggressively scan the screen now, or you can use the YouVersion Bible app in the bottom right-hand corner, hit events, and you will find the sermon notes for today. Going to a local church and being fully integrated into the daily physical life of the church is God's plan for every believer. If you have a Bible, and I'm just going to say this, I know it's a little bit dark. We're going to, we're going to, work on the weeks forward, getting a little brighter during the message, but here, can I just put out a request for next Sunday? Can you bring your Bible to church? Can you please bring a physical Bible to church? We got some clapping in the back right-hand corner. Uh, Bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. You're like, no, no, it's good on my phone. It is good on your phone, but it's better right here. It's better right here because you can get into it. You can, you can actually understand where things are. Uh, you can figure out how it fits together. And if you're like me, uh, and, and this is actually completely acceptable for you to do while I'm speaking, I understand that, that I'm, as many as people as there are in the room and are watching online is how many messages I'm actually speaking. Um, so when you're reading it in a paper Bible, sometimes your scripture catches your eye and you kind of just drift into that line of scripture. That's just God speaking to you. And so there's something different about having this. And I'm also going to encourage this. If you bring this, could you also bring just a notebook and you can write some things down? Because oftentimes, and it's probably just me, but I, I, God speaks to me and he says something that's so profound, it's so powerful. I'm like, I am never going to forget this. And then Monday happened. And if I'm being honest, Sunday at 2 p.m. happens. And I'm like, what was that thing that is never going to forget? It's changed my life forever. So if you write it down and if you date it, you'll know what God is speaking to you on that day and you can understand the faithfulness of God because as he speaks to you, you can go back to it and you can be reminded of his promise, you can be reminded of his word and you can be reminded that that's where you were then but this is where you are now and you're moving forward in Jesus' name. And you thought taking notes was about learning. No, it's about the faithfulness of God. Anyways, let's go to Psalm 141. I just want to give you some time uh, to get those notes. Psalm 141, verse 1. We're going to just set the stage. We're really going to spend most of our time in 1 Peter discovering who God says that we are in order to worship Him in fullness and in truth. But we're going to start here in Psalm 141, verse 1 and 2. It says, O Lord, I'm calling to you. Please hurry. Listen. And anyone prayed like that before? Lord, please hurry. Listen when I cry to you for my help. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you in my upraised hands as an evening offering. So this is the words of David. Let's be honest, David is everyone's favorite. It's probably because he's got the best origin story ever. He's got the David and Goliath moment, and therefore we all see ourselves as David fighting the good fight every day. Men, women, children, we're David. We got slings, we got stones, we're taking down giants. David's everyone's favorite. Literally, he's also God's favorite. Not that God has favorites, but if he had a favorite, it's David, because he said so in Scripture in Acts 13, 22. He says, David is a man after my own heart, and he will do everything that I want him to do. So if you want to learn a key thing that's completely bonus, has nothing to do with the message today. If you want to be a person after God's own heart, if you want to be God's favorite, do what he asks you to do. When he asks you to do it. It's called obedience. So David, obedience is better than sacrifice. That's a deep cut. That's a good reference. All right. Uh, 
So David, when he's writing this verse, he's, he's on the run, most likely as Absalom, who is his son, is trying to usurp him. He's doing a coup. He's trying to take over the kingdom. David's on the run. He can't be at church. He loves to be at church. In his language, he couldn't be in the tabernacle. He's running for his life. He can't make it for, he can't make it to church. His Wi-Fi spotty, so he can't join the live stream. But even more than that, being away from the presence of God was not an option for David. Why? It was a lifestyle. It's what he did. It's how he lived. When he was in the field by himself, he would worship. That's how he had the courage to face the bear and the lion and ultimately Goliath because he knew he was in the presence of God and God was with him. He loved God. He loved his presence. He, in fact, David craved it. He craved God's presence. I don't want to ask you the last time you craved something because it was probably KFC that you were craving. Psalm 84 verse 1 says, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Come on, when was the last last time you felt that way for church? My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. That's, that's how David feels. So David's on the run. He's going, can I just get into your presence? Can I just get near you? I need you right now. Listen to me. Hurry. Listen. Show up. I need you, God. My heart and my soul are crying out for you. So now in the Old Testament, there's a tabernacle. In the tabernacle, in the very center of it, it's a place called the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant lived. The Ark of the Covenant is where the Holy Spirit dwelt. He sat on what's called the mercy seat, which was between the wings of two angels. That's right, the same Ark of the Covenant from Indiana Jones that melted people's faces. Same one. By the way, they never found it. They won't. That's a whole other subject for another day. That was where the presence of the Lord dwelt. No one was able to casually hang out in there. Only priests of the highest order on the right occasions were able to go into the Holy of Holies. There was a thick veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place, which was God's court. Where the rest of the sacred furniture from various you know, uh, duties and offerings were kept. And you can read all about this, the structure of the tabernacle. Old Testament, riveting reading. You're going to love it. Immediately outside the Holy of Holies, on the other side of the veil was a table with a bowl of incense. And this was the closest piece of furniture to the Holy of Holies. And that incense had to, to, they, the priest would keep it burning so God could smell it on the other side of the curtain. They kept it burning morning and evening at all times. That's a picture of where David wanted to be, was into his very presence of God. So in Psalm 141, verse 2, David is saying, God, I know that I'm far away. I know I'm on the run. I know I'm in the wilderness, but I need your help right now. And I'm asking that my prayer to you from far away would be like the incense right outside the Holy of Holies. I would ask that my prayers would be like incense, that you would begin to smell it, and that it would be a pleasing aroma to get your attention. What David is doing in that moment is he is literally, literally, literally in this moment, prophetically speaking, he's full of the Spirit of God, he's writing this by the Spirit, and he's actually describing the prayers of the saints that we see later in Revelation 5. In Revelation 4, you hear them singing the same song that we read about a couple weeks ago in Isaiah 6. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, I can tell you this. At home, 
I know that there's a right way and there's a wrong way to get Desiree's attention. Okay? You might think it's grand gestures. You might think it's me singing romantic songs. You might think it's even the giving of gifts. Oh, how I wish it was that easy. The right way to get my wife's attention is two steps. Do the dishes. And put them away. Properly. Like, like there's, there's a right way to get her attention. What David is doing right here is he is acknowledging that there is a right way to enter the presence of God. In Psalm 141, verse 2, he says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you in the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. In other words, he says, I've read what your preferences are. I've read Scripture. You have asked for specific sacrifices. I want to show you that I'm in this. I want to show you that I'm in this relationship. <laughs> Essentially saying, I want to wash the dishes and I want to put them away. I want to give you, God, what delights your heart but I cannot appear before you at the tabernacle, which is the resting place of your glory where the ark is, but I want to please you right now. And here I am in the wilderness. How many times do you feel like you're just in the wilderness? You're like, God, I need to worship you right here in the wilderness and I need your presence right now. So he says, would the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifices that bless your heart? David is prophetically speaking by the Spirit and he is right. God loves hands, but we're going to get to that in a minute. Because what he's also doing is he is foreshadowing John chapter 4, verse 21 to 24, where he says there's a time coming where it doesn't matter where you worship, and that's the time we're in now. You didn't have to go to one specific physical place because my presence is everywhere. Call on me and I will answer. When you say, hurry, I need you, he's like, I can tell you how to get into my presence, but there is a way to enter his presence. There is a way. So David is speaking prophetically, and, and he's speaking, says, may the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifices that bless your heart. So here's one, a couple things that we need to know. The Old Testament writers and readers, they knew the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. They would actually memorize it as children. They knew it. So David knows the Torah, and he knows what God loves, or in, in the, the vernacular of the day, what Yahweh loves. That's what they called God. And David desires the presence of God. So Nathan Finocchio, who, who's an emerging theologian of the day in his book, Killer Church, says this. The Hebrew word for hand is yad. Just turn to somebody and say yad. One of the main Hebrew words for praise is yada. Everyone's like, okay. And it literally, it literally means to wave the hand. So praise means to wave the hand. Can I just see some praise in the room? We just need somebody to wave the hand. In the Hebrew mind, so in the way that they understand Scripture, in the way that they understand the world, praise involves what? Hands. So especially now that David, who's led by the Spirit, has established a worship precedent with respect to the lifting of hands. So David right there in this moment says, God, I'm away from your presence. I know that you've got a right way that you want me to come into your presence. You just thought we raised hands for fun in church? No, because there's a way to enter the presence of God. You, sometimes we think that we do things 
and they just like don't mean anything or they're just like symbolic. No, no, God's laying out a way to enter his presence and to love him and be loved by him. So let's fast forward to the New Testament. Are you still tracking with me today? So Jewish believers are scattered because of the persecution that they're experiencing. They're actually being mocked by Jewish believers in synagogues saying, listen, you're missing it. You're missing something. You don't have priests. You don't have tabernacles. You don't have curtains. You don't have altars. You don't have all the furniture. The writer of Hebrews then begins to describe a better way. So Hebrews could be described as the better book. It talks about a better way. Jesus is the better way. So because of Jesus, we can offer better sacrifices as New Testament believers because we offer them through Jesus and to Jesus, who is a high priest. Are you still tracking with me? Okay, so the writer of Hebrews, because Jewish believers understand the Torah and they understand scriptures, they would understand Psalms, they would hold Psalms up in the same way that everyone loves Psalms. Psalms was essentially the songbook of the church back in the day. So they would sing these songs in these psalms in church, the same way that we say, I was going to sing a psalm, but I can't hit that note for praise, so I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> it is a smart move because you wouldn't like it. So David is essentially copying and pasting Psalm, sorry, the writer of Hebrews is essentially copying and pasting Psalm 141 to let them know that their worship in the wild is legit and it's real. So in the Old Testament, a big part of worship was sacrifice, meaning sacrifices, not sacrifice the way that we think and like sacrificing some of ourselves, but actually a sacrifice or an offering. So they would, would burn incense or they would sacrifice an animal. Sacrifice or bringing sacrifices isn't really in our church vocabulary, right? We're like, I, we, don't, we don't bring sacrifices. That's not necessarily true. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13, okay? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 to 16. Hebrews 13 15 to 16. We're just going to school today. We're going to Bible school. It's fine. We're diving in. Hebrews 13, 15, sorry, 13 verse 15 to 16. It says this, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God, what? A sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name and do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Okay, so we bring a sacrifice of praise. That's the kind of sacrifice that we bring. When we gather, what do we bring? We bring a sacrifice of praise. That's why we start with the praise and the worship up front. We bring a sacrifice of praise. Now, here's what we need to understand. I don't sacrifice or bring a sacrifice. I don't praise. I don't worship. I don't sing. I don't sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. I sacrifice from the forgiveness of sins. I don't do any of these things as penance to make up for things I've done. I do it from forgiveness. Because I get to be in relationship with God because of Jesus, I do these things. So in the Old Testament, there were priests who made sacrifices that were not general members of the congregation. Only the priests could make a sacrifice. Okay? So in the Old Testament, only, and listen, you do I'm just going to put this on record. You maybe didn't want to be a high priest because there was times when the high priest had to enter the presence of God. And if there was like hidden sin, then he would walk in, there'd be like a, a rope tied to him. And if there was like, if, if the sin was rampant and out of control and it wasn't handled in the right way or the right spirit, then the priest would die in the presence of God and they would just pull him out with the rope. So maybe you're like, a, like, you're like, I don't know that I wanted to be a high priest. So in the Old Testament, there was priests, they made the sacrifice, not everybody in church. 
It was the priests. So then that would lead us down a line of thinking that says, okay, well, then that's why we have pastors and worship leaders, right? Because if we're following the there, there's priests, so then the priests make the sacrifice, and then, and then uh, we, just, we just hang out like in, in, this, in this congregation. We just like, we're witnessing. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. Let's go to 1 Peter 2, verse 5. 1 Peter 2, verse 5. This is where we're going to hang out. This is where we're going to really dig in today. And it says this in 1 Peter 2, verse 5. It says, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you, somebody say you, which means me, say me, are his holy priests. Uh-oh. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So, the responsibility of a Protestant church, this is a Protestant church, is that every believer functions as a priest. We all give, we all worship, we all share, we all contribute to the vitality of the church. As Scripture says, every joint supplies. Every joint supplies. But here's what we have done. This is just across the board in church. We have traded participatory priesthood for passive consumerism. For passive consumerism. We say it's better for me to sit here and enjoy the show than it is for me to be a part of what's happening. But that's not what God called us to do. Let's go back to what I said earlier. Going to a local church and being fully integrated into the daily physical life of the church is God's plan for every believer. So let's look at 1 Peter 2, verse 5, and let's understand who we are, what we are, and what we're called to. 1 Peter 2, verse 5. I'm going to read it one more time. Then we'll go line by line, which is everybody's favorite. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. First thing, number one, say, I am a living stone. Just that first line. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. As a living stone, I'm built in the body and I'm created to carry weight. So as a living stone, I'm built in the body and I'm created to carry weight. But most of us are interested in authority, but we run from responsibility. Okay, so this is what I mean by that. Most of us love the power and presence of Jesus. We love that he is a good provider. So we love the provision, but we're, we're okay with, with or without the provider. We love the healing, but we don't want to get too close to the healer. We love the power and the authority that comes from God, but we don't want to submit our lives to the power and the authority that comes from God. So we're interested in the authority and not the responsibility. And yet God says, listen, you are living stones. You are 
a brick. He's building his kingdom brick by brick. He's placing you right into his perfect, into a perfect building, and he is building us into his spiritual temple, which means we all have weight to bear and a load to carry. We are his living stone. So Nathan Pinocchio in Killer Church says this. He says, I'm a rolling stone on the couch in my underwear on a Sunday morning while I eat groggily my cereal and stream church online. I'm a living stone when I physically show up to church with my big boy pants on. At home, I am living a detached spirituality where I see myself as getting something, whereas at church, I am living an embodied spirituality where I participate in the life of the church, giving and partaking of the presence of Christ, unique to the gathering of the believers I was made to be a part of. I'm a living stone, and I was made to build a church. I am a living stone. First thing, I'm a living stone. I'm a dead stone when I'm separate from the body in the building. I'm a living stone. Number two, I am a priest. And this is, if, if we could walk away with anything, this is what we need to capture or catch today. I am a priest. So what do priests do? Priests minister to the Lord first, and then everybody else. So our primary goal or responsibility as a believer is to minister to the Lord first and then to others. This is 1 Peter 2, verse 5. This is that second line. What's more, you are his holy priests. So my primary job as a priest is to minister to the Lord. My secondary job is to minister to those that are around me and then to the world. So literally there is a structure to this as a priest. I minister to the Lord, I minister to those around me, then I minister to the world. Sometimes we, we, we mix and match and we get these things out of alignment, but that is what we are called to do as priests. When I come to church, I'm not here for me. I'm on duty. I'm here to minister to the Lord. I'm here for the Lord and I'm here for His people. That's what I'm here for. Church is not about me. It's about God and his people. I'm a priest, and I've brought and I'm bringing my spiritual sacrifice. I'm a priest. I'm a priest. One of my primary spiritual sacrifices is worship in this context. Now, worship does not only stay in this context. Worship is part of every avenue of life. When I work, I worship. When I love my family, I worship. When I take care of my family, when I lead my family. Come on, man. When you spiritually lead your family, you're living a life of worship. When you abdicate that responsibility, you're worshiping you and your enjoyment over the creator of the universe. Things are out of alignment. So my primary job is to be a priest. That's why it's so important for us to worship, and to not just worship like it's just Christian karaoke on a Sunday morning. Because when we're here to worship, we're not here for us, we're here to what? Minister to the Lord. And you're like, he doesn't need me. You're right, but he wants you. He doesn't need you. You're right. He wants you. He wants you to draw near. And he says, listen, I, I've, I've laid out some ways to, 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 get, to get close. Let's talk about that. Number three, I'm on duty. 
I'm on duty. That last line of 2 Peter 2, verse 5 says, through the mediation of Jesus Christ, which means because of Jesus did, because Jesus did what he did, you and I offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Okay, let's dive into this. Are we still tracking today? Romans 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. So if there's a kind that he finds acceptable, there's also a kind that he finds unacceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So when I think about this, I know that there is a way to worship God, and I know that there's a way not to worship God. When we go all the way back to Genesis, we find that encounter with Cain and Abel, two brothers. And we know that Cain brought a sacrifice, whether that was like good enough, but Abel brought the best. Oftentimes, what we do in church is that we, we try and bend it to our will and preference. Our worship is, is we bring something that's good, but it's not God's way, it's our way. So I talked about, I know how to get Des's attention. I, I wash the dishes and then I put them away. But most of us in our worship, we wash the dishes and we leave them on the counter because we don't follow God's plan or direction. I know how to love my wife because I know that there's a way that she needs to be loved. Pastor DeAndre could tell you all about the five love languages. You know, there's no one that can tell you more about the five love languages than someone who's newly married. Because they're just constantly screwing it up. <laughs> See, what we do with the five love languages is that, is that we, we find there's five primary ways that people like to receive love and people like to give love. When you're newly married, you don't know what they actually really want. You know what they think they want. So what you do is you love them the way that you like to be loved. And if it's like acts of service and you do all these like, you do all this stuff and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do all these things and it's going to be amazing. And then she shows up and she's like, that's nice. Uh, why don't you love me? And Pastor Deanna's like, I did. Like, don't you see all the things that I did? She's like, I'm a gift girl, man. Go buy me something nice. So he puts in all this energy and all this effort to love his wife, but she can't receive it because it's not the way that she likes to be loved. See, the same thing is true with the presence of God and with Jesus himself. There is a way that we can love him and then there is a way that he likes to be loved and the way that he likes to be worshipped. But what we like to do is love him the way that we like to love him. And so what happened? 1 Corinthians 15, we learned, we learned this, this hermeneutical principle that, that first in the natural and then in the spiritual. So the same thing is true. It, when, when we bring an offering that we like to give and we don't acknowledge what he wants to receive, it's like a waste. You're like, but I just... I just, it's, it's good though, like it, it's my thing. It's good, but it's not great. So maybe we could learn what scripture says that he loves because David, who God loves, says, I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. I will not make a sacrifice which cost me nothing. So if we're gonna bring like Hebrews 13, 15 says, a sacrifice of praise, it means it's gonna cost us something. So what's it generally gonna cost us? Well, possibly your dignity. You're like, I don't, what do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm very dignified when I worship. No, it's because your hands are in your pocket. 
But people will look at me. No, no, that's just a vain reality. That's an imagination that you have. No one's going to look at you. You're like, I, okay, so, so does, the Bible doesn't even tell me how to physically worship. It actually does. It's called the nine expressions of worship. Uh, and there, there's, there's nine of them. Uh, they're physical expressions. I've included more background in the notes because I just don't have time to go over it. And, I, and about a year and a half ago, I actually preached a whole series on this. So what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to go try and link that into the weekly email so you can go back and listen to that whole message. But here is from Scripture, the physical expressions of worship. There's more in your notes, but if, if you're taking new notes, then here they are. The, the physical expressions of worship, as according to Scripture, speaking, shouting, and singing. There's three with the mouth. Speaking, shouting, and singing. Speaking, shouting, and singing. There's three with our posture. Bowing, standing, and dancing. You're like, hold on. We, we don't dance. We Pentecostal. We don't dance. No, you don't dance you don't dance other places in a sexual manner. You dance before the Lord, and there's an acceptable way to do that. King David said, literally danced in the streets, and his wife got upset at him because he was too undignified. We probably need to get a little undignified in church and dance before the Lord every once in a while. Listen, I, I don't like to bounce around and hop around and I don't like to do that. I just know that the Lord likes it, so I've made it a part of my pattern and my routine. Three with the hands, sorry. Playing instruments, that's why we have this. Clapping hands and lifting hands. God loves hands. It's a part of praise. You know when you go to a, a non-Christian concert, and if, if you've done this, <laughs> You have. It's actually fine. Maybe fine. Uh, it depends on the content. And you see people just... You know, I went to U2 once. Are you allowed to say that? I think so. And I see all these people waving their hand. See, here's what's funny. People are hardwired to worship. They don't even know it. There's a natural expression that happens. And you think it's about them having a good time. No, what they don't know, what they don't realize is that in humanity, in our DNA, it's like, oh, I'm experiencing something. Now you can experience something or you can experience the presence of God. So we have a job to do because we don't just have a relationship with God. We have a job. We are priests. I'm a priest. You're a priest. Acceptable sacrifices are sacrifices that God has asked for. Priests are careful to minister to the Lord the way that he has asked. They do not presume, assume, or speculate upon worship that pleases the Lord. Rather, they give him exactly what he has required. And you might go, this, this is an Old Testament teaching. No, this isn't an Old Testament teaching. This is New Testament. We've read Romans, we've read 1 Peter, and we've read Hebrews so far. I've only got a short amount of time. I can't continue to unpack it in this service. But Paul brings up sacrifices two other times. One of them is financial. So if you were to go do a Greek word study on the word thusia in the New Testament, you won't be able to avoid the new covenant reality of spiritual sacrifice. This is just what the Bible says. So what then does that look like? 
Churches filled with priests are loud because priests know how to lift up praise with their mouth for speaking, shouting, and singing. They're loud, hand-lifting, participatory churches that bring acceptable sacrifices. Why don't we stand up? I want to read Psalm 150. And then we're going to get an opportunity to worship. And what I'm going to ask is that you don't see it as the end of a service, but you see it as an opportunity to bring an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. Psalm 150 says this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequal greatness. Praise Him with the blast of a ram's horn. Praise Him with the lyre and the harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything, not some things, let everything that has breath sing praises to the Lord. Let everything that has breath sing praises to the Lord. Let everything that has breath sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. So this is our prayer and this is our declaration and then we're gonna bring an acceptable sacrifice and pray to the Lord. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm gonna pray this and declare this over us. God, we are here for you. And I'm bringing what you like. You like hands lifted and clapped in worship, so here are mine. I love you, and this is my holy service. You want us to come before you with praise and thanksgiving in our hearts. And so we're singing songs of thanksgiving and joy. We are thankful. We're thankful. We're thankful. We're thankful for what you've done for us. And Psalm 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Praise is tied to our hands. And so we bring a sacrifice of praise. Because when we're at church, we're not here for us. We're here for him. And we're here for those that are around us. That's who we're here for. We're on duty. Why? Because I'm a priest and you're a priest. And I'm here on, on duty to minister, to minister to the Lord and to minister to those around me. That's what I'm here for. Now, here's the thing. You're like, no, no, but I need to be poured into. Here is the divine mathematics of heaven. In Proverbs 11, 25, it says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So while you minister to the Lord, he's gonna to minister to you. And while you minister to others in this service and in the lobby, he's gonna to minister to you. You might go home and say, I'm exhausted because I poured out. And God says, just watch how I'm about to pour it. Because those who refresh others will be refreshed. Come on, come on church. Let's bring an acceptable sacrifice of praise and worship to the Lord.
Wow, thank you for spending some time with me today as we looked into the scripture. This is the Saints Church Glastonbury podcast. My name is Brett. Uh, it's been an honor and a pleasure to teach the word and to study scripture with you. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us online at www.saintschurch.ca. We'd love to see you join us live and in person. But thank you for joining us today on the podcast. <laughs>